Hi everyone and welcome back or welcome to the Finding Balance podcast. I'm Tom Ford and I believe that success in our inner world leads to success in our outer world. And what I mean by that is if we can better understand ourselves and the reason why we do the things that we do, I think we're far better equipped to then aim and strive for whatever it is that we set our minds to. And I feel that the best way to do that is to ask ourselves better questions. For example, why am I really doing this? What is actually important to me? And what is stopping me from achieving those things? And as we begin that journey of asking those questions, asking our own questions and exploring the different answers that come up, what that reveals at least to me, is that success isn't solely based on the fickle nature of external results, but can actually become more of an internal feeling, a more steadfast one, one that we can experience on a daily or even momentary basis. And from my own experience, that just creates a huge amount of space to just enjoy the path that we're on, to see it from a clearer and wider lens, and to experience it more deeply. And when you work from that place, I believe that material success just flows as a natural result. And that's what really inspired me to start this podcast, was to dive deeply into this inner world, this inner dynamic of the guests on the show, to really get to know and understand the person behind the craft, with the hope of illuminating the many different forms of success and the many different paths that we can walk to reach them. Today's conversation... I sit down with Seamus and Karam Singh. Seamus and Karam are two brothers who will be attempting to beat the Guinness World Record for the marathon squash singles in the summer of 2020. In just under 18 months, these two amateur squash players will attempt to break the record of 38 hours. In this conversation, we talk about the ins and outs of how the record actually works, the many unexpected logistics and challenges they have and will continue to experience, and ultimately just building a clearer picture and perspective of just what is involved in taking on such a monumental feat. But the reason I really want to share this conversation with you is why. Why Seamus and Karam decided to take this on? and how that has and will continue to evolve throughout the process. This conversation is an example of the power of a compelling goal. A goal that seems so ridiculous that you must question everything about what you do in all areas of your life to even consider attempting it. A goal that you have no idea how to reach other than who you need to become just in order to take the next step. That's the reason I want to share this with you to inspire you, as Seamus and Karam have done with me, to look at my goal setting in a completely different way. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here's Seamus and Karam. Okay, guys, so we're recording now. Um, (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) No different. Um, Why don't you just start by introducing yourself each individually um, and also just maybe what's your reason for being on here? Oh, you're giving it to me first. All right, so uh, Karm Singh. Um, I'm living in Ireland right now, um, visiting Bristol, doing a squash camp. Um, so the reason for uh, attempting this world record is essentially um, 
primarily not so much the record itself, but a, a change of health style, lifestyle to just improve. It was originally uh, possibly just to uh, become a better master squash player, but it has morphed into that. So that's basically my, my main goal behind all of this. Fantastic. My name is Seamus Singh. I'm Karam's brother, older by two years. I was actually born here in, in the UK and then we both of us were taken to Canada where we spent most of our education growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereabouts in Toronto? So we started in Saskatchewan, which was okay. in the prairies, and then wow. Toronto, yeah. St. Catharines, which is near Niagara Falls, uh -huh. yeah. uh, where we went to private school there for 17, or we were there for 17 years, I guess, in total. Okay. Well, for me it was longer, yeah. 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 Um, but I came back to the UK in 84 to study singing with a, a teacher in London. Um, now I, I work as an IT person. I play squash, chairman of Avon County. Um, got a young family and an older family. Um, and very similar to Karam, the, the journey now for this is, is lifestyle change. It was, it was funny how it came about, but that's what it's turned into. And can you just maybe explain a little bit more clearly about what is the record that you're, uh, you're going to attempt and when? Yeah, so we're um, going after the Guinness world record for squash marathon singles mm -hmm. which is currently sitting just over 38 hours <laughs> um and our attempt is we're planning that how be, often do you get a wince when uh, <laughs> when <laughs> when you say that <laughs> pretty well every single time it's yeah. like what <clears throat> um so we don't tell people what our stretch goal is because that's just absurd um so we're planning to do this in june or july 2020 Okay. Down at um, workout in Bristol. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you decide you were going to do this? Well, we were originally thinking uh, to do a, a doubles version of mm. this, and uh, it came after we had done a squash song. Is that uh, uh, bad? It's, it's more my personal vision. <laughs> anyway, so there was this 24 hour squash song uh, where we're essentially just trying to do make use of the course for the 24 hours, and it the end of it, Seamus had this brilliant idea that he wanted to do 24 hours. He wanted to do every single slot. <laughs> and then it turned into, well, let's go for the world record doubles, which doesn't exist right now. So okay. it was like, you know, whatever we set was was the way to go. So mm. that was the, the main idea. And uh, without getting into too much detail, that unfortunately kind of fell through. Um, and when it kind of did, we said, well, let's... Let's not give up the hope. Let's let's go for the singles and then move on from there and see, okay. see where we go. Um, so when when was that? When did you attempt, uh, or when were you thinking about attempting the doubles? Was that last year? Would have been last year. Yeah. Two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. Okay. We we got to the point of actually trying a couple of longer trials, um, and it turns out like what we discovered was that uh, Seamus and myself at least weren't physically ready to proceed beyond uh, the other the other two possibly would have managed but yeah mm. okay um and is that the only other um attempt at sort of like these these longer things or, or a guinness world record that you two have ever done was this very much sparked uh, last year i certainly haven't um, i know you did something in italy with a I've never done anything like this, but I've always wanted to do an endurance event like this since about the age of 13, 14 mm. um, from school. And I, you know, if I think back to things that I'm most proud about are extreme effort. So I remember a, a cricket match in Canada in the, in the summertime 
in extreme heat, bright sunshine, where I was one bowler at one end the whole afternoon. Oh, wow. Non-stop. Just kept, you know, alternating, obviously, bowlers, but I just kept going out. I must have done 23 overs, and it was absurd to have done it, but at you know, 18, you don't think any better. They just say, mm. have a go, and I go, keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly I haven't, I haven't. No, I didn't have any real ambition to do something like this, but just when mm. Seamus mentioned it, and I thought, okay, yeah. Mm. It's not so much the record, it's to actually be able to, to attempt it, I have to change a lot of things, and that's mm. that was the real driver for why, why I got into it. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. It, it reminds me a lot of... Um, a kind of theory or idea around goals. Um, I think oftentimes we we set goals that we know we can achieve because uh, it makes us feel better. And also, you know, it, it prevents us from trying something different. And the idea that I like is that a goal, you shouldn't set a goal that you know how to achieve because it's not forcing you to become different or to, to challenge yourself in a way differently to than yeah. you normally do um, it's who you become as a result um, the, the, and as you've said you know it's it's maybe not so much about doing it but the process leading up to it yeah and um, so that's really cool um so t- let's let's talk a little bit more about the previous attempt then if um, if you're okay with yeah. that um what eventually happened um and what maybe what what are the things that you learned from from that attempt i think what eventually happened was that because Carmen and myself were further behind physically than the other two, that the stretch of when we could do this attempt was getting slightly unclear and further. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of leads to momentum loss and people's lives and, and circumstances change. Now, I'm not saying that it will never happen. It just was the wrong time for the other two at this point in time. That, you know, circumstances change for them. Mm-hmm. And we had to respect that. And you know, I've got no issues with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what we learned, oh, plenty. Yeah, certainly uh, just the understanding of the commitment involved to mm. do this. Because you think, uh, you know, I've mentioned it to a couple of ta- a couple of uh, guys in the squash club back in, in, in Dublin. And they're going, oh, sure, that sounds easy. You know, 24 hours, I could play doubles for 24 hours. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I think you're kind of underestimating this a little bit. And... and it certainly sounds easy, especially when you did the squashathon and you were, but just the, it's the logistics of getting everybody together, you know, all the rules you have to uh, go, go by, uh, the physical effort required, the commitment to, uh, especially with four people, uh, to get them all together at the same time, mm-hmm. that suits everybody, like, a, you know, do like a 12-hour trial, for instance. It's not, not a trivial thing to do to, to get everybody's mm-hmm. plans aligned, so... Uh, yeah, I think it was a, there was a big learning out of that, uh, just how difficult this is, regardless of the, the amount of how long you do it, just any type of event where you're going to be spending that much time together in a small space, uh, all the people you need around you to help you. It's not just the four people involved in it, it's your, your support people that are helping you, it's the guys who are going to watch... Uh, referee your match, referee the whole thing, you know, mm. adjudicate timekeeping, all those sorts of things. Even the club being available to us for that whole length of time, mm. you know. You don't really think about those things when you set out to this, oh, let's just do it, and, you know, but yeah. actually, no, to, to, to actually, uh, to get a, a record ratified, there's an awful lot of things you have to, to do. To, mm. And the physical act of doing it. So, you know, doubles is 
a completely different game from singles. Hmm. Um, and the movement patterns are completely different, particularly when you're playing side to side. And so you've got, you've got less space, you've got four people on court, so the patterns are completely different. And, it's, and you find stresses in the body that you didn't expect to find. Hmm. at times you didn't expect to find so that whole process of just having done the trials that we did made us all realize that we just can't walk into this and do it that we're going to actually have to individually have our own training programs to take us to the level to find out is our breaking point 23 is it 24 is it hmm. completely different for each each one of us and how do we support each one of us through that process through the barriers hmm. brilliant and it, it you mentioned about having kind of like your separate programs and that kind of stuff is, is it quite, I assume like when you're going for that period, like everyone's so different that you, you probably have quite different things to be working on. Um, could you maybe go into a bit more detail about what it is specifically the, the support that you're receiving or the thing that you feel would be most, uh, important for you to be focusing on to be able to achieve this? Yeah, I suppose for me, the, the primary thing is the physical aspect. Um, I'm sure the mental thing will definitely hit me as well, but right now I'm so focused on just being healthier. Um, I've had a, some, some back injuries, a few you know, niggles in the knee and that, but um, I don't consider myself to be uh, lean, so a bit chunky, so I want to try to improve that. I just improve my movement on court, so I'm not going to break down. Uh, that's something I learned through the the, the, back, the back injuries that I had, and one of one of the recovery sessions that I went through, um, I was working with Derek Ryan. Uh, I think it was the second time I had a back injury, and we did a lot of strength and conditioning, which had never occurred to me when I was younger or even coming up before the back injury, my mm -hmm. first back injury, just how important that was. And I was actually being very, very good. And I was doing my sessions three times a week and I was getting so much stronger and I felt it on court and so much more stable. The movement was good. I was play, probably playing the best squash I had played in my life. And the problem was that I was playing the best squash, which meant I was starting to play more matches. I was playing more tournaments and mm. not finding the time to keep my three times a week core sessions going so they started to slip and I could start to feel the body slowly declining a little bit and that led to another back injury so I big lesson out of that of, of you know um, maybe don't play as much and definitely look after the, the body so that's number one thing is, is that sort of physical thing which ties into my nutrition my lifestyle as far as work home I spend a lot of the time commuting every day so I live up the country I commute into Dublin every day so I'm three three and a half hours in the car every wow. day so you know you, you you get up you go to work head off after work to a bit of training by the time you get home it's just pack bags get ready for the morning go again so mm -hmm. I haven't figured out how to work around that how to address that problem because right now I feel that's probably my number one thing that's hampering where I want to get to mm -hmm. and I have to find a solution to that and mm -hmm. I don't quite have one just yet but, um, certainly since we started this I've learned an awful lot I've become far more um, interested in health nutrition whatever um, 
And unfortunately, you know, the, the internet is great. There's a lot of stuff out there. And there's sometimes too much stuff. And mm -hmm. you now have to start read, reading through, you know, that's just a fad. That's what's happening now. That's a fad. But, you know, mm -hmm. what's the research behind what this person is saying? So I've started to drill into that a lot more. So mm -hmm. again, this is, this is not so much the journey of this gets me a world record, but this is my change of, you know, increasing my health span rather mm -hmm. than lifespan. Just be better in life in general. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are those are some of the lessons I've, I've been taking yeah. out of it. So, for me, to have been eighteen months ago, two years ago, to sit down and say let's go for this is a testament to three people I've met recently. Um, first one would have been Hadrian Stiff, who's was coaching me at Redland um, before I started working with the rest of the team, and he was the first person who I got a sense could teach me things that in a way that I wanted to be taught. I've had a lot of really serious injuries from the age of 14 up until the thing. And so that's really colored my ability to progress as a, an athlete or anywhere else. I used to be a professional singer. And after that, um, I had a couple of really, you know, I had a couple of torn cartilages just coming out of nowhere, two in, in less than a year. And I just said to Hadrian, I need to see your, your guru, Joanne Alphinston, <laughs> um, which was just a revelation. Mm -hmm. And having worked with her, first part was just get injury free to be able to go back on court and consistently go back on court without getting injured again and you know knock wood which i won't do um <laughs> that has been the case i've been injury free you know apart from little niggles but injury free for almost five years now and mm -hmm. so that you know those two people have got me to the point where i said right like i can do this record and and the other person that's probably contributed a lot is um, beth bond who's doing the strength and conditioning for me um one of the things that was really clear from the two attempts we trial runs we did in the doubles was that yes the movement patterns are different but fundamentally i need to fix the movement um and so whilst i broke down in four hours you know i literally just collapsed on the floor in so much pain from itvs and hips and stuff like that mm. i just went back to beth and said we need to solve this problem and so the next 18 months i guess have been just solid work on trying to get more flexible trying to get easier on the movement mm -hmm. um and those are the you know with those three people i've been able to sit here and go we're going to go for mm. this absurd thing <laughs> <laughs> what does the record look like what does it entail how how are you do you have a plan of how you're going to structure it at the moment or is it very much in the preparation phase uh personally a bit of both i mean we've we've taking lessons that we've learned from the doubles attempt. Mm. So we were relying on, for example, planning out a number of trial runs that were of increasing length to be our markers. Um, after that, Karm turned to me and said, I want more than that. I want something else that we can use as smaller targets because it's an 18 month run between now and, and then. That's a long time yeah. to just see that as the end goal. So we've got to have very small goals along the way. Mm. So they may be fitness goals, they may be nutrition goals. That, as Karim said, lifestyle changes so that, that mm. don't happen overnight. Mm. Um, so we have, a, you know, based on what we did in the doubles, we have a, I wouldn't say a vague idea, but a relatively clear idea of what the plan is going to look like at a high level. But then we're going to have to start drilling down and creating a lot more detail on that. Mm -hmm. And certainly having support staff on, on board a lot earlier. So, for example, when we did the final trial, that was the last one we ended up doing, we all came in and we did the setup ourselves. We set up all the food, we set up all the tables, we set up all the stations. 
And that's a crazy thing to do when you're just about it's to more energy. Yes, right. 15, we were doing a 15 hour trial run. It's like somebody else needs to be doing that for us. So it's really clear that we need to get a whole bunch of people on board. Mm. Um, you know, you were talking about, Karen was talking about, he lives in Dublin, I live here. Let's get our friends to just spend one hour rotating while we do a trial run. We don't need to be there in the same place. Right, okay. You know, and I've, you know, I've asked my team in the league and they've all jumped at the idea and said, yeah, well, I'll come and do this and we'll just rotate and you can get 10 hours mm. while we just circle and circle in and that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the devil is in the detail of some of this stuff, obviously. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, 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 the master plan is starting to take a bit of shape. It's it's less vague. We kind of, we have some good ideas of the, the kind of trials we want to do and when we want to do them. But we're also trying to make sure we're working those in, in and around our existing squash commitments. So I used to play a lot of Masters tournaments. Mm. Uh, the World uh, Masters is going to be in Poland in 2020, so we're making sure that okay. uh, you know we do our world record attempt, enough recovery time, because James wants to go to the World Masters as well, that we're capable of doing that. But you know the, the Irish uh, Masters for the Home Internationals, that will run up through April, May, uh, in through 2020 so it's all about trying to find juggle uh, as necessary without sort of giving up everything mm -hmm. uh, one thing I did when we started the, uh, the, the doubles attempt I said my number one priority was to get myself healthy so I kind of withdrew a little bit from playing league matches mm -hmm. in my club I just said you know if you're really stuck I'll play but like I'm quite happy not to play I just want to train so I kind of cut back uh, Many of the matches I was playing, I've carried that through a little bit this year. Uh, I think I need to sort of get back and start playing a few more matches, but not to go wild with too many matches again. So again, it's picking and choosing, keeping the existing desire to play squash going, and then building on, on that to, to achieve this record. So uh, like it, it would probably be a lot easier if I just said, I'm downing tools, I'm going to spend the next three months just working on my core endurance fitness forget about playing any squash whatsoever but i wouldn't really enjoy that like mm -hmm. if i can't get on court and hit on a regular basis uh, i get very frustrated so it's all about how do we manage all of that the the ongoing the the work issues you know just you know you're going to go through periods at, at the office where you just have deadlines and you got to get it done mm -hmm. and fit that all in with, with what you're trying to achieve as well so big challenges ahead mm -hmm. but it's it's all about sort of planning and 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 that's why I was saying to Seamus, as far as, you know, we, we do have these various trials, but with it being 18 months out, it's, uh, what we saw with the first go, with the, with the, our first date from the, the doubles pushing out, it was like, oh, okay, I got a little bit more time now. I, I maybe don't have to do that gym session today. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll pick it up a little bit later. And what was happening was that was starting to push out. And it's like, okay, so I need to get something focused now. 18 months is a long-term project. Mm. I still need to sort of say, Early on, I've got to I've got to start seeing some wins because if I'm not, then mm. that 18 months is going to push out again. So it's sure. not, yeah, it's, it's, you can't do this in the last three months, kind of thing. So. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about the physical challenges here. The real big unknowns are the emotional and mental ones. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I was out at a, a dinner with school parents, and one of them was in the military, and we got talking about this, and he goes, "Well." The real problem you're going to run into is at around the 30-hour mark because the mind starts playing tricks on you at about 30 hours. 
<laughs> and obviously here he's talking about the survival exercises he must have gone through, which is at a really high performance level. We're not going to be working at that high performance level, but it does bring home that you know you're going you're going without sleep essentially. Mm. You know we've read some of the attempts that other people have done and what they talked about in terms of can they get sleep, and they were terrified to go to sleep because if you go to sleep, the muscles seize up, everything seizes up, and you get up and you kind of go ah. So you're going to be going, you know, at 30 hours, you'll have been awake, not just 30 hours. It depends on how long you've been awake before you actually start. Right, yeah. And wow. then what's, what's going to happen? And no, no trial, is, trial run we do is going to take us that far. Mm-hmm. So we'll really be going into the unknown. So there's this whole issue around mental training, emotional training that we haven't even thought about, that we know we need to deal with mm. to be able to push through. And we know adrenaline is going to really kick in because once you're on, the, on it, um, but you can't rely on that. You've got to do the training. Mm. Yeah, so, I've certainly been looking more into this whole mindfulness training aspect, and, you know, meditation kind of thing. Now, obviously, if you're in the middle of a match, it's hard to meditate. But, if you know, while you're waiting for a serve to come in, if you can just sort of a little mental exercise to rebalance. So definitely, I, I know that's a bit of training I'm going to have to start doing uh, at some point fairly soon. Um, but, yeah, I just... It's a really big unknown as to mm. how the mind is going to react. Will you include that in your training, sort of potentially just going without sleep for a certain period of time or, or exploring that, that side of it in your, in your day-to-day? I thought about it. Like, certainly we've done, fairly recently anyway, uh, the all-night, all-nighters for work um, where you, know, you work through the night and then you're on for the next day. So you've actually been awake for a significant amount of time but you're not doing that physical aspect of it mm. so the, the sort of staying awake and kind of working yeah i can manage that i just don't know what that looks like when i'm running around on court or walking around the court as it's probably going to be it's interesting you mentioned that because it is mm. you know when you're doing those all nighters of work it's because there is a problem yeah. so you've got a problem that you can fix somewhere this must be brutal it's repetitive mm. you're hitting a ball and you're just hitting a ball and you're hitting a ball 12 hours later you're doing the same thing you're Mm. hitting a ball so how are you um exploring making that more interesting or is there you've already (laughs) you've already alluded to the fact that it won't be maybe what you would view as your traditional squash game you're not going to be balls to the wall for (laughs) for 38 hours in a different uh, way so how are you planning that doubles trials actually i found them (laughs) incredibly entertaining but and this was one of the lessons is we just couldn't switch off our enjoyment of playing to slow down and just say we've got to do this for X number of hours. So we'd be chasing after drops and we'd have a really great round, very, very entertaining. But you know, you, you just couldn't do that. So we, we had a bit of a trial last night for an hour and an hour and a half or something, an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, and it was actually good in that we, we learned to just sort of slow down. Not not, a, not quite walk around, but like it was, you were having rallies and and you were smart enough to know that ball's just too good if I have to go another 30 hours, so I'll just let that go. Um, if you have to go another 30 hours, <laughs> me too. <laughs> There's no option. Yeah, that's, that's it, yeah. So, uh, so the, the, there will be, you know, how do you, how do you get rid of that boredom? We'll have to learn a few lessons. So we did stupid things like, you know, doing corkscrew serves last night. Okay. Uh, which was entertaining for a little bit until you realized 
that actually takes a fair bit of energy to do. Yeah, and especially if you can't do it well. <laughs> yeah. uh, so was that a wise thing to do? Yeah, I just, I, you know, we're going to have to do things like that just to uh, get rid of the boredom and possibly have, without sort of being obvious about it, a condition type game. Okay. You know, because the, the rules say that it needs to be reasonably competitive, uh, sort of within reason. So you don't want to just go tippy tap up and down the wall playing a rail game. But we're going to need to do something different every now and then. To uh, one one thing I've been uh, thinking about is because there's nothing in the rules to say I can't switch hands. So I'm actually not too bad left-handed. Mm. So at times I'm just going to play a bit of cool. squash left-handed and mm -hmm. work on that and just just to get the shoulder different shoulder working and mm. things like that. Um, <laughs> Seamus had a bit of an entertaining moment last night where he tried to do uh, he saw Muhammad in one of the camps. Hit a off the serve a back wall, <laughs> kind of a drop. Yeah, and so he decided volley, he a volley. It was a volley. Yeah, yeah, so he volleyed the serve off the back wall and almost like a perfect drop. Right, and we're all going okay. So Seamus <laughs> decided he'd try one of those, but he didn't quite get it right. But <laughs> but that's the kind of thing you're going to look for. Just something. so one skill I think Seamus is going to really learn out uh, of did this whole thing is how to play off the back wall. Yeah. Because he's woeful at it right now. And it's just <laughs> <laughs> well, every time I try and do it, it goes like, it's not a shot I play, because every time I try and do it, it hits me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, the ball hits me in the face, and I'm going, okay, yeah. this is not one of my shots. So in this, in this thing where it's like, I'm not going to go to the back wall, if I play it off the back, you know, hmm. play it off the back wall, it keeps rally going a little bit. But, mm -hmm. yeah, so he's, he's going to learn a new skill out of this anyway. And we were laughing as well last night. He was, so I did a really just high boast, and James went in to play the drop, but, you know, very upright and going, you know, you really probably should be dropping an easel a little bit more, drop the body a bit more, but, you know, considering what we're doing, I don't recommend that because you might not be able to get back out again. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> this is called support. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's going to be interesting to just see how much we get on each other's nerves mm. through, through the whole thing. That was definitely something we noticed in the doubles. Um, all of us at certain points zoned out at times and mm. you could just you could just see that mental decline of you know i'm just not having fun here or i just could be bothered uh, and how so with four people it was great you could either you could hide a little bit in that in the doubles uh, but you'd also have the other three people sort of you'd recognize that and you'd get a bit of banter going or whatever and you'd pull mm -hmm. somebody out with two it's a little bit harder um, mm. So, and hopefully the two of us don't go into that funk at the same time. <laughs> well, it's almost certain, right? Yeah. <laughs> really bad. It might so. be wishful oh, thinking. No. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, uh, how, how we can cheat each other up and get each other out of that mood in a friendly, nice way mm. uh, should be interesting to mm. see as well. So. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And uh, would you would you say would you consider yourselves to have like quite a close relationship already? You know each other pretty well. Um, like, do you have a solid foundation uh, to embark on this uh, challenge together? I do think so. Yeah, <laughs> we probably as as far as this goes. Uh, so when Seamus was at school, we were we were at school together, and Seamus was the athlete. So he he had his medals in the hundred meters, and he was this and that and. Everybody said to me, you know, why aren't you as good as your brother? And, and I always ended up having that, I've got to beat this guy. And so it was always, you know, if we were on court, it was, I'm beating this guy. Mm -hmm. And I remember one Christmas, uh, this was when James was living in England. 
And I think you were playing Thornbury or somewhere like Dalmasbury or something like that. We decided we'd go down for a game. And uh, I don't know whether I should tell the story or not. But I, I don't remember started, it at all. I, I started it now anyway. <laughs> and, uh, Is this going to affect our, our, our ongoing relationship? No, yeah. it should, it should, it should but, uh, <laughs> uh, So I was still in this mode of... Uh, so I was playing a lot of squash at that time uh, and trying to be as competitive as possible. So we went for a bit of Christmas holiday game and my normal attitude was I'm going out to beat this guy. And I did, which fair enough. But after Seamus said to me, because at that time you were doing a lot of singing and music and it was fairly cutthroat industry as well. And your comment to me was, you know, I just want to play squash. I don't need the competition. Like I've got enough of that in my singing as well. I don't need it from you on the squash court. Do you said what I said? That was it. Yeah, wow. that's, that's a paraphrase. And that always stuck with me. It's like, you're, you know, you're absolutely right. Like I've been out to just beat you. So I tend not to do it as much. So, yeah. you know, if you watch us play, I still think I've got a, a gear to go sometimes. Oh, he's but got I two. Won't. But At the moment he's got two. But, yeah. I, but I won't. Yeah. Um, and it comes back to that comment that Seamus made. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was a turning point for me of, no, I don't have to beat him. Now, if we were in a tournament, I'm going to beat him. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to look to beat him, but I don't need to. I'm sort of past that of, of mm. that uh, trying to trying to be better. Than mm. There's nothing to prove that. Yeah. 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 No, and and, and let's be brutal. He, he is better than me now, and he's he's got a lot of good coaching. He's got a lot of good training. He puts a lot of hours in, and mm. he puts the effort in, and, and deservedly gets what he gets. Mm. Um, I'm like way behind him, and that and you know part of the movement thing. Working with Beth, working with Joanne was kind of went. Actually, now I want to start competing with him. Mm. I actually want to challenge him. It's not mm. so much about beating, but I want to be on court and go. I've seen how much you've improved. I actually want to see if I can come close to that, and, and we can have a, do some of the battles that we used to have. Yeah. So I know if you're healthy, your movement as well. It's a much different squash game. Yeah. So I'm quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> That you're, you're, you're sort of uh, languishing. No, de definitely the, the, the racket skills are there. It's, it really is your, um, your kind of movement. And, and basically the health these days, you know, you, if, you, if you, you can find a tweak to that, uh, that'll open up an awful lot. In the end, I can't think of anybody I'd rather do it with. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, it, sounds, it sounds like a, an incredible opportunity to, to deepen your relationship as well and to you know even already like there are just so many unexpecteds that that I've heard you know from out of this experience and it sounds so obvious when you spell it out and you say it but again it's, it's not something that you can maybe appreciate or understand until you really begin to embark on that journey together the, the bit that really um resonates with me actually is the idea of just really being acutely aware of where you're expending your energy and because in in a different way it's it's very much something that I've been through with the fatigue is just being acutely aware of okay when, when am I using energy that's not necessary how can I rein it in because I had so little whereas for you it's just every little bit counts if you're going to be able to do this yeah. so it's the same principle different uh scenario but um I'm I'd be 
I think that will have such a huge impact as well, you know, not to mention other things, but probably even certainly in your game, but even in just everyday life as well. I think when we when we have full energy, um, it's very easy to take it for granted and just displace it in all these different areas. And I can to me that that strikes me as one of the one of the really big positives that you will get out of embarking on this is just um really utilizing and harnessing the energy that you do have. For me, it was like the day I finally stopped singing and I had to say, I couldn't, I can't do this anymore. And I, and I knew that whether I'd made that decision or not, the issues that contributed to making that decision wouldn't have gone away. And oddly, I then chose probably the most extreme sport to expose all those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But in, in the sense that, you know, singing was what I was born to do. It was, I defined myself by, you know, going on stage and performing. So squash was never that important. So it's become the vehicle for trying to look at some of those issues, the issues of constant perfection, the issues of going out and not being able to perform, blah, blah, blah. And the journey I've been on the last five years to get to where I am today have clearly made a difference. Because I remember 15 years ago, if I was playing a match, I could get in a real strop just because I would make the same mistake over and over and over again in the same game and get really angry and get really stroppy and blah, smash rackets and all that stuff. These days, generally, <laughs> I'm a lot more relaxed about making a mistake, particularly in match play. I still do it in training when I get frustrated. But So uh, it's given me the opportunity to work on the things I know I want to work on, mm. not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally, which cannot have anything other than benefit to the rest of my life. Mm. It's, um, it's fantastic um, and it's a really good kind of advocation, I'm not even sure that's the right word, but, or a word, <laughs> but it's a very good like a example of um, just what I believe that squash or sport or whatever it is that we use as a vehicle is a really good vehicle to greater understand ourselves. You tackle one and you, you tackle the other. We have the opportunity to better the other. Um, and I'm, I'm keen to just dive a little bit deeper into, um, you've mentioned kind of your whys about why you're doing it, but I'd love to go like a little bit deeper into um, why, why are you really doing this? Um, and I know that's maybe evolved and it may evolve over the, um, over the, the next 18 months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's, what's the vision? Cause I feel like that really being able to come back to that each time is the thing that makes you go and do that session. It's the, th it's that anchor point or that North star that yeah. gets you further than you go. If you don't have, uh, really true clarity on what that why is. Okay. Yeah. I suppose for me, it was originally... So I've been doing a lot of the squash camps with, with Hadrian, the elite squash. Um, and in the back of my mind, I don't feel I've reached my potential as a squash player. And I don't necessarily want to, well, actually, sorry, I want to win a world masters, might be 80 or 85 or whatever, but that's, that's one of my goals. But anyway, so I need to do, I wanted to do things to just say, I want to play to my potential. I don't think I've quite hit yet. 
And, and so that was, that was the starting point, you know, when I'm looking at uh, why one of the things that have prevented me from reaching that potential, it's not my racket skills, it's my movement and my fitness, you know. If I was a stone lighter, for instance, I'd be a lot more lethal on court. So I've never had something to force me to make that change. It's, in my mind, it's like, all I have to do is lose a stone. It's not quite true, but you know, mm. there's not enough that's actually pushing me to make that change. Even though in my mind, I want to make that change. Mm. There's nothing, because it's just me. You know, if it doesn't happen, I, I just stay slow on court. Mm. So when we did the doubles, it was like, okay, for me to do that doubles, I'm going to have to actually really make an effort to do this. And if I don't, yeah, I let myself down, but I let three other people down. That was one of the main things was other people are relying on me to, to do my part. Mm. And so that's, that's the external driver that, that says, I've got to get this done. So then that morphed into, well, actually, yeah, reach my potential in squash, nice, but actually it's, it's about being healthier. And it's back to this sort of increase my health span rather than, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, old and not being able to walk around. So, you know, so, so that, that's really, it, it, comes, it comes down to, that was the original goal was just to get better at squash and be, you know, win a few things, but that's all disappeared. And actually, one of the things that uh, I think the turning point, as far as the camps go, was the the camp where Hadrian. I first came across it anyway. Was this whole concept of process versus outcome? Uh, that was kind of a seminal moment for me. It was just like, yeah, I'm so fixated on outcome as opposed to just enjoying playing, enjoying training, and. Uh, don't get uptight if you lose a match you shouldn't have lost, or you, sh yeah, you shouldn't have lost, or you know, if you play a bad shot, no biggie, just move on. Now, still have frustrating moments, but so that's been the, the evolution of the thought process for me is how just forget about income of winning a master's tournament has moved on to just be more settled in your, your head, quiet the voices, get healthier. Mm -hmm. I, I hope to be able to play I squash into my 80s. If it doesn't happen, I still want to be, you know, strong enough and good enough to, to have a good quality of life as I get older. Mm. Fantastic. Seamus? Very similar in many ways. I remember the first session I had with Hadrian, and I just said, look, I just want to fulfill my potential. I want to see how good I can actually get. Mm. Um, little did I realize how much I needed to change. <laughs> but I've also got, you know, I've got three young kids who are, you know, Anna Jane's going to be 10 in the next month. I've got two twin boys who are just turned seven. I don't want them growing up seeing me fat and not active. Fat and slow, whatever. And, you know, with all the injuries I had, I just got into a mindset that that's what I've been given. I can't get flexible again. I can't get light on my feet and get moving fast. It's not going to be possible. Every time I do, I get injured. And so it really is about, I, don't, I want to change that mindset. And I've tried to lose weight. I've tried to do it for myself, but it, it's never, I'm not going to say it's failed, but it's not been successful. Mm. And it's going back to what Karm said. I'm, he's relying on me now. 
to be the best that I can be when we go in and do this attempt in the same way that, you know, I'm relying on him. Mm. Mm. That's uh, it's lovely. And I think uh, there's something very powerful about your purpose or your vision when it's related to either, as you said, maybe process related to try and optimize yourself just for greater well-being rather than any external um, result or outcome. And then equally, when you're doing it for other people as well, um, there's um, a very different energy behind it. Um, okay, so... I just sort of remember something else that Hayden and I were talking about mm. probably just last year sometime. Because it has been a bit of a project. Mm. You know, every now and then we have a lesson with him and we touch base. And I remember turning to him one day and saying, do you think it's possible to take somebody like me and get them to a better level? And he was kind of going, you know, I wonder, asked the same question. You know, I'm not sure. But then suddenly I, we could see progress. We could see that suddenly, I don't know what happened, but it was probably the doubles that changed everything that suddenly you could see the progress and you know the session we had today on court is probably the first time you've seen me really do anything significant mm. but I'm hoping John would have seen yeah, the change he did. Yeah. since the last time he'd seen me on court and it, I know it's massive difference I may not be getting the results but I can definitely feel I'm doing things that, in the way that I want to do them you know mm. and that's just so exciting yeah it is yeah there's something um I think there's something quite innate in us that strives to to be better, um, but from a from a different place, you know, not from that that feeling of you know trying to compare it to others, but just the idea of trying to optimize what we've been given, optimizing our potential. We tend to think also like I I can make this change quickly. I can improve. I should be able to you know in in three months' time or two months' time, you know, my squash skill squash levels ranking has gone up to this or whatever. <laughs> Uh, which is a, not a, not an unreasonable ambition sometimes, but you know the changes we're making, they're they're long term things, and mm. it's slow progress, and it can be frustrating at times because you think I should be better by now, uh, but because it's that slow progress, we actually don't see our improvement. Right. So we had, James and I had a conversation today. He was talking about the the one rally that you know he was in control of, and <laughs> his last shot wasn't great, and he and he lost the rally. And I said, but the positive of that is, like, you were in control of the rally. 18 months ago, you wouldn't have been in that position. He goes, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. Mm. So we, we don't just see the changes ourselves. It's, it's like, I played mm. the same as I was a year ago. Well, actually, mm. I'm not, but mm. it feels like it sometimes. But, mm. you know. And the other thing, obviously, because this, this is audio and nobody can see, but, you know, I'm 58. Mm-hmm. So I've got 58 years of baggage that I'm trying to change. Mm. You know, not all of it, obviously, but... You know that history of what's been going through there. Yeah. Mm. That doesn't happen overnight. Mm. I'd like to think it does, but it doesn't. Yeah, and it and it and it's going to be at a much deeper level when you go into that. the The length that you're going into it really does. It's going to bring up a lot of a lot of stuff, undoubtedly. Um, mm. It's an incredible uh, idea to for personal growth, even if that wasn't the uh, <laughs> the yeah. initial idea. Yeah. That's uh, fantastic. Um, I guess just. Um, for anyone that's listening, how can we kind of support and follow your journey up until the attempt? Or um, how can we keep up to date with, uh, are, you, are you doing any videos or posts or, um, yeah, keeping up to date or supporting in general? Yeah, so we, we, when, the, when the attempt eventually comes, we will have selected a suitable charity to 
to raise funds for. Um, but as far as our journey goes, yeah, we're, we're planning uh, to put together a blog, video blog, um, put our thoughts down on how, uh, how the journey is going. We're not quite sure where we're going to do that yet. Uh, we're not quite sure how much will be public to start with. Uh, <laughs> so there's still, still some unknowns there. So okay. I suppose right now, so we had set up a Facebook group for the doubles. Yeah. I don't know whether that's still going now or not. Uh, there's four men in a ball. Um, so it might become two men in a ball or who, who knows. But uh, yeah, so probably not unless you've got some ideas of where we might be. I haven't put reachable. much thought on it. Yeah. Much thought on that. I mean, I, I didn't... <laughs> When we had that failed attempt in the um, trial run, I was so despondent. And I remember coming home and I got into my bed <laughs> and I recorded a 15-minute thing, which I stupidly put on Facebook. <laughs> and I just, I was like, my wife saw it the next day and just tears were streaming down her face. It was like, there was no sympathy. <laughs> and it was like, she went back to it three times and tears just got worse. Yeah. You know, so it's like... <laughs> I and laughed at it as well. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, tears of laughter, was yeah, it? Yeah, oh. it was just it was like you know, they were really. It was. It was like it was. It was all dark, and you just had this the the phone lighting his face, and, and his eyes were like, it was like "Oh, it didn't go well." <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's it's a classic. We'll have, we'll have to add it to the uh, yeah the, 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 the initial journey. Yeah, yeah. But but in reality, I mean, to to get serious about it. One of the most difficult things for us to, to source will be um, independent witnesses. Mm-hmm. So Guinness have this, there's two ways to get ratified. Either you pay Guinness to send an official person to come down, or in our case, it'll be probably two or three, which is exorbitantly expensive unless, and that's designed for businesses who want to promote something, and then they'll put a record on and they'll spend the money. Or you have to get independent witnesses who sit and watch the whole thing. So. The entire thing. So the way it works is that a, a witness can only do a four-hour block and then they must have a rest. Mm. They may or may not choose to come back after that. Um, but if you're working on the assumption that nobody wants to do more than four hours, then you have to have two at a time. Okay. So they can't know each other. Oh. They can't know us. They can't know anybody who's oh. involved in supporting us. They can't, you know, the, the restrictions are unbelievable. Wow. And on top of that, they prefer them. They were, they were from professions. So school teachers, lawyers, doctors, that kind of stuff. So not just Joe Blogs off the street. So that it will be probably the biggest in terms of organizational stuff. So I know the club's going to support us and the new courts are going to be fantastic because it'll be warm. <laughs> um, and we know that as individuals, we will, we will probably want somebody like as a team manager whose sole job is to, or a series of team managers, because again, they won't want to do 50 hours or 40 hours or 2,000 hours or whatever mm. it is. A series of them who are solely responsible for looking after the environment outside of the court. Mm. And we may then want our own personal seconds who are solely responsible for things like, here's a clean pair of shoes, here's dry clothing. Yeah. You only have one minute left in this break. You must get back from court. So that we don't have to worry about that. All we have to do is just go on and hit a ball. <laughs> and maybe after sixteen hours, we'll probably go. Can I have charge of that? Because I actually want something else to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Um, 
so I guess um, we'll just, uh, when I publish this, if, if anyone wants to get in touch or whatever, then they can do through me. And then maybe if we were to do this again, you know, another time in the lead up, then the uh, more information will become available. Yeah, we, should have, we should have things up and running. Sure thing. Brilliant, guys. Um, really inspiring, actually. Um, I'm really interested to kind of keep following how, how it goes. Um, I think it would be really cool to, to do some posts uh, just with an update of how you're getting on, get the get support rounding up. Um, so like a f- couple final questions. Um, do you have like a book recommendation? Maybe either the book that maybe you've gifted the most or that you consider to be your favorite book? Oh, interesting. Uh, I would have to say I'm not... I'm not a massive book reader, um, but I came across a recommendation recently uh, and that I recommended on to somebody else that I found very entertaining was, uh, surely you must be joking, Mr. Feynman. Okay. Um, have a look at that. Uh, very entertaining book. Mm-hmm. Who's it written by? Uh, it's, it was actually, um, so Richard Feynman was a, well, he's still, still alive. Uh, he, he was a physicist who worked on the atomic bomb. And he's right, but he's had an array of very interesting stories and anecdotes through his life. So somebody actually gathered these all together, put them into a book. He's written a lot of books himself around physics and things like that. And he's, mm-hmm. um, but this one was just some very interesting stories through his life so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, very entertaining. Right. So I, I would recommend that one. Seamus. Mm-hmm. Well, two spring to mind actually. One quite old and one quite recent. So one that's stuck with me for a long time since I was about 18, 19, 20, something like that, um, was Carlos Castaneda, uh, Mm. Don Juan, the first book. Um, But the concepts of truth and being true to yourself and leading a meaningful life, and what does that actually mean? And then a second book, which I only encountered probably three years ago, written by Clayton Christensen, who's um, a business professor at Harvard. You know, it's so important to me that I've actually forgotten what the title is. (laughs) How Will You Like Me or something like that, Mm -hmm. where he talks about the work-life balance and the compromises that we all make Mm. and why we shouldn't make those compromises. Right. Brilliant. Okay. Fascinating. Um, And the final question, when you think of success, who is the first person that comes to mind? James answered that first, so I can think about. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you took you took it took the first one. So well, I actually think of my dad. To be honest, um, he was born in India, came to England, learned to speak English, went to technical college, became a surgeon. He's probably one of those people who you rarely find who actually ended up doing what he was born to do and just supremely gifted at that. Um, you know, the stories I've heard from people who have been treated by him are just like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the lengths he would go to make someone's life better mm-hmm. when other people maybe have given up on them. So he was an orthopedic surgeon who had to deal with unbelievably horrific things that you would see in, from accidents, you know, things like I couldn't even bear to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and whilst I don't necessarily understand it, and get it I do look at him and go he achieved what he was born to do Mm. and you can't ask actually ask for much more than that Mm. 
peaceful. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that answer, actually. Because uh, it did it without a lot of fanfare. Mm-hmm. You know, it just got stuck in. It was always there for anybody who needed needed mm-hmm. help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like if, if there was a person to emulate as far as dedication to other people, helping people, um, he's definitely along the, the top of the list. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were grabbing headlines. I remember probably a latter story with him where in Ontario, they stopped treating some very serious wounds that needed dressing every day and their policy became amputation. And he flatly refused to do it. He just said, I'm going to set up a private clinic and I will just treat these people. I don't know if he ever charged for it, but part of that was to make sure that the nurses and the other people involved learned how to do it again because they'd forgotten. Mm. Um, and he would just go in and diligently day after day after day redress clean you know wounds whereas you know here in the country in england i'm hearing those wounds will go four or five days before they're changed Mm. you know things like that and it's just an unbelievable dedication to doing the right thing for other Mm. people Mm. why do you think he did that or had that that trait i don't know we've never talked about it Mm. um you kind of just look at it and go I can't live up to that in, in some sense. You know, I, I mean, you know, at one time I wanted to do medicine and I just realized that no matter what I do, rightly or wrongly, and whether it's true or not, mm. I could never be as dedicated as he could. It's just not my nature. It's funny you should say that because I had to say, because again, thinking about going into medicine at one stage, and I came to the realization that, yeah, I just, I was, I couldn't see myself working the level that he did with that dedication of you know mm. no matter what the, you know the patient called him in the middle of the night mm. even if he wasn't on call or whatever he'd, mm. he'd go and he said you know that selflessness i don't believe i have that mm. and, and that's not to say it didn't cause stress because it did you know there were there were it caused issues in the home life sometimes mm. um, but at the same time you go unbelievably dedicated to yeah. making other people's lives better particularly those who were in trouble mm. That's his calling, his nature. That mm. you know, it's it's not like I, I, I definitely would never see it as he made a conscious decision to do that. That, that was just the way mm. he was. Mm. Yeah. Even even now, I mean, he's he's been retired almost ten years, but he still goes down three three days a week to visit a, a cousin of ours who's got MS mm. to give her physiotherapy because nobody else does it. Mm. You know, and that's just he couldn't think of any, doing anything other than that. Mm. You know. And I'm hoping that, you know, part of this journey and part of that, some of that actually is rubbing off, mm. that I'm doing that, you know, whatever I'm doing, it mm. will eventually lead to something like that. But it's, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, when, when you step into your truth like that, then, you know, it maybe doesn't feel like the sacrifice that, that other people might think of it as. Um, and I think that's the case with all of us and, um, to kind of almost compare is, is not necessarily the, the best thing to do, but to, to acknowledge that actually the way that you guys are dedicating yourself to this and to be better. And generally just from what I've seen, um, in general that you already are doing that. Um, and I'm truly am very inspired by, by what you guys are doing for this. And, um, as I said before, I'm, I'm really keen to see how you progress and, and just the unknowns that unfold from, from this journey. Um, and I, I wish you all the best. 
Thank you, John. Thank you very much. Thank you.